0: If
1: God had left us alone, we would have been completely destroyed, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. But God intervened in mercy and grace and chose some for Himself.
0: Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hello, I'm Bill Wright. Today we continue the series, Human Responsibility. Believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a mere suggestion. Rather, the Bible makes clear that God commands all people everywhere to repent and believe. It is every person's responsibility to accept God's way of salvation that He has provided in the Jesus of the Bible. Alas, the sad truth is that there are many who will disobey God at this point and refuse to believe in the only way of salvation. As believers, however, we have obeyed God, embraced the gospel, and have thus received the forgiveness of sins through Christ. That same message still needs to be proclaimed today. How will you respond, friend? Well, Let's join Tom now as he opens God's Word on The Word Unleashed
1: we are studying Paul's explanation of why it is that so few Jewish people had come to embrace their Messiah. He gives several answers in chapters 9 through 11 of Romans. The first answer we looked at together is the answer of divine election. The second answer is where we find ourselves and its human responsibility. The second answer begins in chapter 9 verse 30 and runs through the end of chapter 10. His point here is when people hear the gospel but don't believe in Christ, don't believe the gospel message, they are personally responsible. They can't blame divine election. They are personally responsible for that rejection. Now Paul's focus in these chapters is on why more of the Jewish people didn't believe, but the application is far broader than that. In fact, it's universal what paul teaches here applies to everyone who hears the gospel but doesn't believe the gospel in fact if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of jesus christ you've heard the gospel you're going to find yourself in this passage because this is paul addressing your specific situation now what are the primary factors that that contribute to the human responsibility for not believing the gospel when we hear it, when we're exposed to it. We've already looked at a couple of them, but let me just remind you. First of all, a factor in that human responsibility is a failure to understand the purpose of God's law. The end of chapter 9, verses 30 to 33, Paul says, the Jewish people misunderstood God's law. They saw God's law as a way to build their own self-righteousness and make themselves acceptable before God. A lot of religious people do that, who have some relationship to the God of the Bible, to the Bible itself. They wrongly conclude that the law of God is there to establish our own righteousness by our own efforts. Rather, it's there, as we learned, to show us our spiritual bankruptcy, to bring us to the place where, as Galatians 3 says, we're driven to Christ, who Paul describes at the end of chapter 9 as the cornerstone against which our lives and everything is to be shaped and measured. A second factor that contributes to human responsibility for not believing the gospel, we've looked at this as well together, is an unwillingness to accept salvation by faith alone. We saw this in the first 15 verses of chapter 10. You find people who are so committed to that idea that they can earn their own way into God's favor through their keeping of God's law that they simply refuse to receive God's gift of righteousness, the righteousness that Paul describes in the early verses of chapter 10 as the righteousness based on faith. That is based on the work of Christ, but which is received by faith alone. They simply refuse to do so, an unwillingness. To accept God's way because the, the other way, the way of works, appeals to our pride. Now today we come to a third factor that contributes to human responsibility. Let's call it a refusal to believe and obey the message of the gospel. A refusal to believe and obey the message of the gospel. This is really the focus of the last part of this section on human responsibility. Begins in verse 16 of chapter 10, runs down through the end of the chapter. Let's read it together. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 16. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they've never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now the theme of these verses is quite clear. It's simply this, those who hear the gospel are personally responsible for refusing to believe and obey its message. Those who hear the gospel are personally responsible for their refusal to believe and obey its message. Now, Paul begins to explain this refusal to us by identifying what we'll call in verses 16 and 17 the core problem. The core problem. Notice verse 16. However, they did not all heed the good news. Now, notice first of all, not all. That is an intentional understatement. He's talking, by the way, the they here is the the Jewish people. He's later going to talk about Israel. He's going to name them by name later in this passage. But he says not all, an intentional understatement. In the context of this passage, it's clear that he means most of the Jewish people would reject the gospel and only a remnant would be saved. Go back to chapter 9, verse 6. As he begins this whole idea, he says, it is not as though the word of God has failed. It's not like God's promises to Israel have somehow failed. For they are not all Israel, that is, they are not all spiritual Israel who are descended physically from Israel. And then he puts it plainly in verse 7. They are not all true children of God simply because they are Abraham's descendants. And that's clear from the beginning. Because starting with the first generation, it was through Isaac, not Ishmael, that your descendants will be named. It was never God's intention to save every, spirit, every physical descendant of Abraham. From the very beginning, He chose Isaac and not Ishmael. And He goes on to give examples from a couple other generations. This was God's plan. But it's worse than just not saving all. Go down to verse 27. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel, the physical descendants, be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant, small number, that will be saved. For the Lord will execute His word on the earth thoroughly and quickly, just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah. He says, listen, just a a small number of the Jewish people are going to be saved and that's only because God intervenes. If God had left us alone, we would have been completely destroyed just like Sodom and Gomorrah, but God intervened in mercy and grace and chose some for himself. Paul comes back to this in chapter 11. Go to chapter 11, verse 5. We'll see this, Lord willing, beginning next week. In the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice so go back to our text then in chapter 10 when Paul says not all he means most most did not heed the good news now look again at the beginning of verse 16 because let me read it to you literally from the Greek text it says they did not all obey the gospel the word heed is really the Greek word obey The common ordinary word for obey. That's a strange way for Paul to speak. Why does he speak of obeying the gospel? Well, when you survey the scripture, as we discovered when we began this letter, we discover that the gospel is presented in different ways. The gospel is presented as an announcement to be believed. You remember on the night of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, the angels arrive and they announce to the shepherds the good news of the gospel. There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's a simple announcement to be believed. The gospel is also presented, however, as an invitation to be accepted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says we represent Christ, we're ambassadors for Christ, and We beg you to be reconciled to God. It's a a gracious invitation to come. But there's a third way to describe the gospel in the Scriptures. Not only is it an announcement to be believed, an invitation to be accepted, but the gospel is also a command to be obeyed. Paul introduces this idea at the very beginning of his letter to the Romans. Go back to chapter 1, verse 5. He says, through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have received grace and apostleship. Notice how he puts it to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. The obedience of faith, that is the obedience which is faith in the sense that you respond to the gospel message by obeying its commands and the obedience which faith produces when it's genuine. He says, we're to bring about the obedience of faith. Paul comes back to the same way of expressing it in the last chapter of Romans. Chapter 16, notice verse 25, as he brings his letter to a close. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God. Now watch the end of verse 26. The gospel has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith obedience of faith the gospel is a command in fact our Lord made this clear in in Mark's gospel the very first sermon of Jesus that Mark records he says Jesus came preaching the gospel and here's how he quotes Jesus repent and believe the gospel notice those are commands those are imperatives so Jesus came preaching the gospel and the gospel was two imperatives Repent and believe the gospel. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, as the early church in Jerusalem was growing, we read a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. They heard the Christian faith. They heard the truth of the gospel and the truth that Christ brought, and they became obedient to the faith. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8, taking the other side of it, Paul says that judgment will come on listen to this, those who do not obey the gospel. Those who do not obey the gospel. So understand that the gospel is an announcement to be believed. It is an invitation to be accepted, but it is also a command to be obeyed. Now go back to our text in Chapter 10, verse 16 of Romans. Because here, Paul focuses on this last expression of the gospel. The gospel as a command. And notice in verse 16, Paul uses obeying. Remember the word heed is the Greek word to obey. He uses obeying and believing as synonyms. And he says that most of his Jewish brethren simply refused to obey the command of the gospel to repent and believe. The point is, and this is is a very important point to get, Israel's rejection of the gospel, and frankly any person who hears the gospel and rejects it, it's not a passive thing. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard the gospel many times and you've never received it, and, and you haven't thought of that as a particularly negative thing. Well, understand, that's not a passive decision. Instead, like Israel's, it is a deliberate and culpable refusal to respond to the commands of God's grace. Now, you remember back in verses 14 and 15, Paul laid out what we call the golden chain of evangelism. That series of steps that have to happen before someone comes to faith. Well, what Paul does here in our text is he identifies the missing link in that chain for the Jews, which is his focus in these verses. But it's, it's true for others who hear the gospel and don't respond as well. The missing link is faith. It's faith. But Paul then goes on to explain that that shouldn't be a surprise because 700 years before he wrote his letter to the Romans... Isaiah predicted that only a remnant of the Jewish people would believe in the message of a dying Messiah. Look at verse 16. For Isaiah says that you shouldn't be surprised by the fact that, that not all, in fact, most, have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, "Lord, who has believed our report?" That's a quotation of the first verse of Isaiah 53. Now you remember Isaiah 53, that beautiful chapter, is is the fourth of what are called the servant songs in Isaiah. Four beautiful poems about the coming Messiah. And the end of chapter 52 of Isaiah and all of chapter 53 comprise the fourth song. And that passage describes the response of the Jewish people in the future as they look back on their rejection of the Messiah. He's talking about what happens at the second coming. What happens at the second coming when, as Isaiah describes it, they will look on him whom they pierced, they will mourn for him as an only son, and a fountain of cleansing will be opened for them. At that time, the words of Isaiah 53 will become theirs. It describes the time when as Paul will explain it in chapter 11 of Romans, all Israel will be saved. At that time, they will acknowledge that so terribly few of the Jewish people have believed the gospel in the words, Lord, who has believed our report? Now what is this report or this message? Well, it's the rest of Isaiah 53. It's the truth about the suffering Messiah and His substitutionary sacrifice for His people. It's verses 4 and 5 of Isaiah 53 that that He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was chastened for our well-being, literally for our shalom. And by His scourging, we are healed. It's verse 6 of Isaiah 53. God has caused our iniquity, our guilt. Think about this. God caused your guilt, Christian, to fall on Jesus. Literally, the Hebrew text says to strike him. Your guilt struck him. And then, verse 10 of Isaiah 53 says, God was pleased to crush him to pay for your sins. God crushed him as if he were you. He got what you deserved. It's the report that he offered himself, verse 10 of Isaiah 53, as a guilt offering to pay for our sins. Verses 11 and 12, that he, in his death, bore the sin of many, and by his righteousness he justifies the many. That's the report. And it wasn't believed, but by a few. Now, in verses 16 and following of our text, Paul intends to show why. What exactly went wrong in the case of the Jewish people and why didn't they believe the message? As he gets going, he first recaps what he explained in more detail in verses 14 and 15. I'm not going to repreach those verses. If you weren't here, you can go back and catch up with us. But in verses 14 and 15, Paul explains in reverse order the normal course faith takes if we put it back in its chronological order, here's what has to happen for somebody to be saved. Number one, Christ sends preachers, that is people, his messengers, to bring the gospel. Number two, the preachers that he sends preach the true gospel. Number three, people hear Christ in the gospel, not just about Christ, they hear Christ himself proclaiming his truth through that gospel. Number four, some who hear him believe. Number five, those who believe, who truly believe in him, call upon the name of the Lord. And those who call upon the name of the Lord, expressing the kind of faith described in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 10, we looked at, they are saved. That's the normal course of saving faith. He comes back to that in verse 17, and he again describes it, but in a... a abbreviated condensed form. Look at verse 17. So faith comes by hearing or from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith in the gospel comes from first hearing the gospel. You can only believe the truth you've heard. In fact, Galatians 3 verses 2 and 5 talk about hearing with faith. You have to hear the gospel. And notice specifically the truth you have to hear here is expressed as the Word of Christ. Now there's a lot of debate about what that means, the kind of genitive that is in the Greek language. But I think the majority land, and I would land, on saying there's sort of two things implied here. It's the the Word or the message from Christ. Remember, Christ speaks in the gospel. And it's the the message about Christ. Christ. So it's the message from Christ, it's the message about Christ. So here's Paul's shortened order of the sort of golden chain of evangelism. Number one, someone preaches the gospel to you. Number two, you hear the true message about Christ. And number three, then you can believe or obey that message. And you have to do the third one. You have to believe or obey that message because without that it does you no good. It's like Hebrews 4.2 talking about the people in the wilderness wanderings who had the gospel in a a sort of early form preached to them. And it says in in Hebrews 4.2 the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. The only way for the gospel to profit you is it has to be joined with faith. You have to believe it. You have to obey those commands in the gospel. So, Faith comes by hearing, and the kind of hearing that hears the true message from Christ about Christ. That's how it works. Now let me just say, if you're a Christian here, this isn't the primary application of this text, but if you're struggling, if you're weak in your faith, if you just sense, I I really struggle. Maybe I struggle with temptation and fighting temptation. Maybe I struggle in the midst of trials, and, and I just feel my faith is weak. Well, the same thing that works in bringing the faith that leads to salvation is the same thing that works in the faith that leads to sanctification. The only way you are going to grow in your faith is by hearing the Word.
0: That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part 13 of his series, Human Responsibility. Tom will have part 14, the concluding part, on our next program, and we hope you'll join us then. Well, Tom, before we end our time today, would you share a closing thought with us?
1: You know, friend, can I just encourage you not to be discouraged if you aren't initially seeing fruit in your evangelistic efforts? Just like the Apostle Paul experienced, The message of the gospel is often rejected. In fact, even in the early years of our Lord's life, his own earthly family rejected him and his message right up until the resurrection. And yet he continued to preach and proclaim the gospel regardless of the results. And we as his followers, we can be confident that that God is in charge of the results. And so we just have to be obedient to share the good news about Jesus Christ, to sow the seed and leave the growth of that seed to the only one who can, our God.
0: Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the org. Again, that's listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. We also invite you to visit TheWordUnleashed.org, where you'll find other resources, including additional series from The Word Unleashed. That's TheWordUnleashed.org. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals just like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting TheWordUnleashed.org.